Bias Podcast Episode 84. to episode number 84 of the Bronx Bias Podcast. I am your host. My name is Denzel, a.k.a. Harry Potter, a.k.a. Dubron James. And we are back like Jordan wearing the faux five. I want to start by saying thank you to everyone who tunes in, who likes, who subscribes, who shares, and who supports. Thank you to everyone out there who is active and engaged with me on the social media platforms. I truly, truly, truly appreciate all the love and all the support I receive from y'all. Thank you to all the essential workers out there busting their ass battling this COVID still. And finally, thank you to all the people who are out here continuously using their voices to affect change in a positive way. We always, 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 always have to start the shows with the thank yous because the thank yous are very, very, very important. Please do not forget your boy Denzel has official Bronx Bias Podcast merchandise available for purchase. You can visit the website, bronxbiaspod.myshopify.com, B-R-O-N-X-B-I-A-S-P-O-D dot M-Y-S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com, bronxbiaspod.myshopify.com. Come check it out. Come fuck with me on there. I've got hoodies. I've got t-shirts. I've got tote bags. I've got COVID masks, and I've got stickers with much, much, much more to come. Once again, for the millionth time, I'm an independent potter from the BXMY, and supporting the merch is just a great way to help keep the podcast going the way that it is, the way that it does. You know, I don't have any sponsorships or any deals as of yet, so all of the love and the support I can receive on the merch will be greatly, 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 greatly appreciated, and I sincerely appreciate every single person who has went out 
and purchase some merchandise from me. I truly, truly appreciate it. And with all of that being said, we are going to have a great, great, great show today. Fully, fully, fully packed. And I'm in an amazing mood. I'm in a tremendous mood. And I am ready to go. So let's get it. I am in a very, very, very good mood. Today's intro was an amazing, 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 amazing song by a tremendous set of artists. You know, I've been really feeling the classic joints over the last few weeks. Like, I've been feeling, I've been getting a lot of energy from these classic joints. Like, there's something that about the old hip-hop records or the older hip-hop records that just do something different to me. I guess I just remember where I was when these songs was coming out. But today's intro is called Soul Survivor by Young Jeezy and Akon off of the album Let's Get It, Thug Motivation 101. When you speak the name Young Jeezy to the kids who grew up in the early 2000s, I think it's just like a different a different vibe, a different feel. Like we was getting in trouble for coming to school in the Young Jeezy Snowman t-shirts. Like I remember if you would have come to my middle school and you had that shirt on when we had like dress down day because I wore uniform in, in middle school. So if you would come to school with that on, like you would get in trouble. Like you would either have to go do detention or you would get sent home from school. Like that's how much like the school was not messing with Young Jeezy, did not want to see the kids in the shirts. Like I remember that. It was a time like. And Young Jeezy was the man, man. Like, a dude from Atlanta had New York on Smash. Like, that's crazy. To me, at least. And, and I never seen that really at the time. Like, an Atlanta artist, you know, Atlanta as hell, comes out and New York embraces him heavy. Like, awesome. And Akon, we can't even talk about how influential Akon is. Akon is, like, literally, like, like, like black Tony Stark. Like, Akon is literally Tony Stark out here. Like, creating cities and electricity and all this shit he's doing with tech and all this shit. Like, he's really like black Tony Stark. For real, for real. That's not to mention all the classic, classic, classic joints that he put out. So, it's just two legends who came together and collaborate on an amazing track. Takes me back to the good old days when all I had to do was go to school and go home. And I had to worry about nothing else. You can still get in trouble for wearing a snowman t-shirt. If I show up in a snowman t-shirt today somewhere, ain't nobody finna care. <laughs> so I just, I heard that song. It just made me really reminisce about like just being a kid, you know, listening to hip hop growing up and stuff. So shout out to the gods, Young, Jeezy, and Akon for that classic, classic track. And just a perfect, perfect, perfect way to start the show today. Now it is time for my favorite, 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 favorite segment of the podcast. And it is called Bronx Facts. For those of you guys who do not know, or maybe it's your first time listening to the show, Bronx Facts is a segment I like to do at the beginning of each show. Just to give one fact about the Bronx, New York, that people may not know, that people may have never heard before, just to try and show how many great things, how many great ideas, and how many great people come from the Bronx, New York. So, without any further ado, your Bronx fact for today is the Jerome Park Reservoir is a reservoir located in Jerome Park, a neighborhood in the northern section of the Bronx. 
The reservoir was built in 1906 to serve the new Croton Aqueduct as part of the New York City water supply system. It is named after the Jerome Park Racetrack, which opened in 1866 and was the site of the inaugural Belmont Stakes in 1867. After the racetrack was condemned, it was bought by the city of New York and closed in 1889 to make way for the reservoir. And finally, the reservoir was listed on the National Register of Historic Places in the year 2000. And that is your Bronx Fact for episode number 84. Damn, son, where'd you find this? All right, all right. We're getting right to it today. We have a very, 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 very special guest. It's only special guests that appear here on the Bronx Bias Podcast. Today, we have Dom Brightman, who is an author, an entrepreneur, a motivational speaker, and the creator and host of the Going North Podcast. Dom, thank you so much for taking some time out to talk to me today. How are you? Man, I'm doing good, man. This is the doctor, doctor, the doctor, Dr. DRM Silver, man, Denzel Rogers, man. Thanks for the invite. Let's rock the house, baby. Brock style, baby. So, Dom, can you tell the people where are some of the places that they can reach you if they want to get in contact with you or see all the things that you're doing out here? Sure thing for the folks who want to follow Mr. Chocolate Adonis himself. It's on DomBrightman.com. Everything Dom Brightman is on DomBrightman.com. On the IGs, the Facebooks, the LinkedIn's. Heck, even got an old pictures account out there somewhere with stuff pinned for marketing purposes. But hey, if you type in Dom Brightman, you'll find me and be sure to buy copies of all three of your books by yours truly, Going North, Stay the Course, and Crappy to Happy. And subscribe to the Going North podcast as well, because featuring authors from various backgrounds to help others advance in life and to create their own version of success, because social media ain't all success. It's what you do outside of social media. Big facts. Big, big, big facts. Um, so, so Dom, the first question I like to ask people who come on is about COVID, because, um, you know, we're in a time right now, it's a very strange time. It's a very uh, different time than what we used to. And it's created a lot of problems um, for people, but also it's been shown to create a lot of successes for people. So how has COVID in the past years of 2020 and 2021 affected you personally? And also, how has that affected you in your craft? I'd have to say it actually strengthened me on both because the thing is, like with COVID, like when the first hit, like everybody else, panic, anxiety, all that good not so good stuff here it's like oh first two weeks like all right so we're closing down the places for about two weeks so that way it can slow down the spread two weeks turn to four weeks and it's like hey we might be able to go to easter folks like we don't believe you man like stop it we don't believe you next thing we know it's a whole freaking two years and yep even for those who watch Futurama, we got the Omicron Percy I eight invasion going on here <laughs> freaking coming in it's like man does it end and it's like <laughs> it's like dang but the thing is like personally got better got back into gaming for detoxing purposes a little escapism got back into that kept me a little cool comma collected and even listened to a bunch of podcasts while i was doing the whole gaming thing to multitask in a positive way or anything or some may know switch tasking in a positive way because you really can't really multitask you're just switch tasking and business wise it was actually my best year in business spoke on more Virtual summits did my first ever audiobook voiceover project for a client of mine who actually was on my podcast before where I read his book from start to finish. 
and did a whole performance and got a nice, wonderful check out of that that put right back into the business and the podcast and everything else and even released and joined a multi-author book project called From Crappy to Happy, Secret Stories of Transformational Joy as a way to networking. So I actually advanced further than before because folks were stuck at home and starting Facebook groups, starting podcasts and trying to get their footprint in the digital space. And I already had a footprint and it just expanded because like last year in particular, there was my third year podcasting, but each year it just keeps getting better and better. Like the first year was like September 2017 that you got like maybe close to maybe a thousand downloads and then next year went to 13,000 and last year closed out at 27,000. Okay. And right now this year I'm growing to 33,000 at the time of this recording. So like interviewed more people like I took freaking massive action in the digital space to really expand my territory and grow the footprint. So it's actually been good. It, there was some pain involved. Don't get me wrong. There, there's, there, Of course, everybody felt pain, but there's still some power going on, too. So there's some P&P action. That's great, though. I mean, what do, what do you think about the um, have you like because I've noticed it myself. Like, what do you think of the nature, like the resilient nature of the people who have just decided to make the, the lemonade out of these lemons that we've been had? Because I feel inspired by it. Like I started my podcast. In that time, my first episode was February 9th of 2020. So, like, I I had that inspiration, but I see it across so many different people. So, with all the people you interact with, what do you think that says about people that the, the able that that they're able to just make so much good out of such a bad situation? That's a powerful question because every single human being has the gene of resilience within themselves. It's just that some people have that muscle at six pack ab status some people just have the six pack abs hiding behind some skin material you know and the thing is like last year was the year to really test your resilience to see if you become stronger and go forward fight forward or just retreat for good it was okay to retreat but just to really regroup and get your ground back and get your footing back and come back stronger some people did one of those three things they either still push forward and they kept going forward some retreated temporarily came back and realized all right let me become agile and adept to the situation in a way <laughs> in a way leader shift from a situation and some just retreated for good it's like all right i think i'm gonna wait until uh this thing blows over but it's like <laughs> this thing like that uh Frieza versus Goku, where the plan was going to explode in like five minutes, but that five minutes was really 30 episodes. So that's kind of how it really is, man. So, like, every single human being is built with the resilience gene. Some just have a higher dose of it than others. I feel you. I feel you on that. I feel, I, I think that it's like really important for like, especially people like us who, who actually are using our voices and putting it out. I always put that out, like, yo you out there and you got something to say or you you really feel inspired by something like you owe it to yourself like you're not doing me a favor if you're pursuing your passions or expressing yourself using your voice in any way that you choose to you're doing yourself a favor you're doing your family a favor you're doing everybody around you a favor by doing that so i always try to put that out with my show like let's look at me like i'm a regular dude who used to work in insurance from the bronx look at me i got a podcast talking to dom brightman right now so I just love putting that out there like, yo, anything that you want to accomplish, you can and you owe it to yourself to try. Woo! Say it again, preach. Say it again, man. Anything that you want to accomplish, you can and you owe it to yourself to try. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching church right now. You can call me Rev. You can call me Rev. 
That's right. Hit that cash app off from plate later, y'all. That's right. Dollar sign, Dom Brightman. Let me stop. <laughs> so, so Dom, let me let's get into your into your into your journey. Like, what got you into the game? So, my first question on that note is. How and why did you start your podcast, Going North? Also, what is the significance of Going North? Like, what does that mean? Oh, sure thing. So for those that don't know, Going North is about embracing your dreams and helping others to embrace them as well. Kind of based off my mantra of advance others to advance yourself. In this life, if you help enough other people get what they want, you will in turn get what you want. And when that happens, you're basically going north and advancing because life moves at the speed of your relationships. And when you move as fast as you can based on relationships that you build and grow and expand with people, you'll definitely go further than having just money ever will. Heck, even I think it's like an old Russian proverb that it's better to have a bunch of friends or at least 10 friends as opposed to like $10,000. Because if you know enough friends that can get you favors in rooms of people that you feel that are high above you. And at the end of the day, nobody's really truly highly above you because we all still have to, you know. We have to be born, we have to die, and that in-between period, we still have to have some bio breaks. So the thing is, like, really, just taking that wonderful philosophy of advancing others and advancing myself in the process, because the thing is, you can advance all day, but also make sure you try to take some folks with you, learn from some other people. And that's the other reason why my podcast was born, because my first ever book, Going North, Tips and Techniques to Advance Yourself, published October 2016. It was written on a dare when I was networking at a Toastmasters conference. And after the book was completed, I was doing a few promotional things, got on TV and did some podcasts and radio interviews. And sadly, at that time, I was still going through one of the hardest phases of my life thus far, being one of the main caregivers for my dying father because he had Alzheimer's. And on Christmas, the day, like, day after Christmas, around, I'd say, 1 a.m. in the morning, had a bad fall where he cracked four ribs and his lung collapsed and they had to perform emergency surgery on him and he never really fully recovered from that because then he caught pneumonia three months later March 2017 and passed away and three months after that I realized wow all right there's still some mourning and some grieving that is still taking place but my dad was a man of action he was still volunteering at the church lifting up heavy boxes in his early 80s and that was one of the things he left for me a role model of always serving others and still contributing while you're on earth no matter what age you are and starting a podcast was one of the things i wanted to do even before writing a book came to me so talking with a couple of buddies of mine i was originally going to call it the mr music and reads podcast and my buddy's like hey your book going north you like to say going north to people folks ask you hey how's it going you tell them you're going north and i'm like okay why don't you call them the going north podcast and i'm like you know what you're right and after that, I realized instead of me just rambling every week, how about I invite other authors to speak and interview them to give them a platform? Because my first ever interview, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And I kept on getting cut off by the host. And I'm like, oh, let me make sure they the experience with somebody else. So started the show and launched September 2017. I've been riding strong ever since with the growth. Like it was supposed to be a once a week thing. Then 2018 it went to twice a week and then three years later 2021 it became three times a week so yeah it's it's been growing ever since so it really came from a place of service and tapping into that wonderful resilience gene that we all have within us and that's that is amazing first 
of course, I want to give condolences to your father. I want to say, you know, give you that respect. Uh, I know how difficult that is, especially losing your loved ones. But it is something to say about that resilience gene that you talked about, because you took that negative and turned it to a positive and you turned it into a brand, a business, an entity. And uh, you follow you following in your father's footsteps. I think that's something to be extremely proud about. Something that I was shocked to hear, you know, first time I'm hearing that from you. So I think that's amazing. And um, man, I, I think that's something that I can even look at and say, you know, we start you start one way, but that's not how you finish. I think that's amazing. I think um, that's something that a lot of people could take something from. I really appreciate that. Also, let me ask you a question. So, you know, you said, of course, we all have to get familiar with interviewing and being interviewed, of course, when we first start. What would you say is some a best way for a young podcaster out there to sharpen their interviewing skills? Yep, sure thing. So many tips. The first thing is listen. Always listen to the guest and then be in the moment with the guest. Because when you listen, you're in tune with the guest, you're in the moment, you're going to be having a one great conversation. Because the thing is, like, in the beginning, I had a preset around a good five to seven questions I usually ask every guest and then around episode 30 ish i just dropped them and really just focused on the real two the starting question a variation of tell me about yourself i usually ask folks to fill in the cavities i may have missed and then the closing question that i ask every guest is what advice would you give to your 25 year old self but if they were in the current year and the thing is funny enough like i don't penalize people for because sometimes even i forget but that's like a three-part question because the thing is now, granted, I do it just if I have younger people. Like, I think the youngest person I had on my show was 17, who wrote a self-help book last year, and I asked if he was 13. But um, the thing is, like, it's a three-part question. It's like, yeah, you're going back in time to a younger version of yourself, but the thing is, you have all the wisdom you have now while you're younger, but you're not at that same place where you were before, but you're in the current time with all this COVID crap and everything else going on. So it's a three part question and folks rarely think about all three they just hear the younger they only hear the first two pieces they never get into the three and it's really to get people to think and before all of that wonderful magic happens do your homework on every single guest that you invite on your show because people love it when you do your homework heck i remember one guest in particular personally she was one of my favorites to have on the show because it really <laughs> it this may this may be my ego talking but me personally it felt really good as a host when i had sandra renamato on my show she actually had the show called property virgins on hdtv and she wrote this wonderful book but the thing was even though she is a superstar she's been on tv had two wonderful shows that at least had multiple seasons she's still a human being and i had to do my research and one of the things that i found early in her book is that she had open heart surgery it was at the actually 15 years ago now at the time of this recording december of let's see 20 let's see 2021 so 2006 yeah she had open heart surgery and i believe that was in like her late 30s or something or early 40s and it's like like having that kind of surgery when you're so darn young it's like wow and the thing was like i usually try to have three to five main bullet points to keep in front of my mind so that way i can bring them up but as we were talking she was like oh yeah whatever it was just more a uh, flip a, tw a little more flipping in the beginning and now to know i was like all right so she thinks this is an average conversation an interview where she just 
talk throws up stuff so i'm like all right let me drop this order it's like oh oh yeah so this is the uh, 14th anniversary of you being alive after your heart surgery she's like oh you're good and i'm like yeah <laughs> and then it was a even better conversation after that it loosened up the tone she realized oh this is this is a guy who actually cares about me actually took the time to really acknowledge me for who i am and the work i've done and i'm still doing and we had a great conversation after that and it got her to talk a lot more about the stuff that she loves to do so always do the homework for every guest you bring on listen in when you're in the conversation and also take at least a good few points to written down some talking points to go after and don't be afraid to venture off into certain areas too because you actually may get more information that you may think about because one heck even this past year i had a particular guest where she, she was actually a powerful guest. She's actually one of the most popular episodes this year. But the thing was, it was a pre-recorded session. And she mentioned that she actually had a hard time in Asia at one point because it sounded like she, she uh, was with an abusive boyfriend at the time that she was able to get out of there. And it's like, oh, wow. So this explains why you're so happy now because a lot of folks out there who are really happy and joyful, even though they may appear that way, all the time they're still human beings and there may be something that caused them to really find that joy and it's like oh so this is what popped up so the thing is if when you do your homework you listen you make it fun for the guests too heck you make it fun for them too then those are some great tips to walk away with if you're starting a podcast and looking to be in for the long haul all right man hey taking notes Got the pen and pad. I'm listening to you right now because you're giving us a lot of good stuff. I appreciate that, too, um, because it is important. You know, my interview, like the first one I did compared to like doing one today, it's like night and day. And it's just mm -hmm. like you get more comfortable, you get more you know, confident in your ability. And then you just realize like, yo, like this is what you have to do. It's not this is not, you know, you're not going to die, you know, out here. It's not that scary, <laughs> you know, because you, yep. you just don't want to make a fool out of yourself. You don't want to embarrass yourself with the guests and then the audience will hear that as well. Or you don't want to have a bad conversation with the guests where they're like, I cannot wait for this to be over. Like, so, you know, just the repetition of it is like, you got to keep going. You got to keep going. You got to actually willing, got to be willing to have some bad interviews. I listened to my first interview mm -hmm. on the show, on my show, and it came out and everything. And sometimes I'd be mad, like, dang, why did I even put <laughs> that out? Like, what was I thinking? Like, but you need to start, you gotta start somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Just like like you say, you gotta start somewhere, you gotta go north. You know, you gotta go north. So that's 100 percent true, man. And for every podcaster out there, man, you can do it. You just gotta give yourself the time gotta let gotta let yourself make the mistakes and you're gonna get better at it man it's one straight up the truth look at us look at me and you right that's right man chocolate brothers doing the thing man. <laughs> that's, that's right. right like lebron and wade lebron and wade okay <laughs> all right so don <laughs> my next question for you is what do you want to convey or what do you want your overall message to be with your podcast your books and everything else that you do what do you want people to take away from you every time they experience something that you have done or that you've created? Ah, another great question. Main message is success is tangible. 
And the thing is, your success is tangible. Your own version of success is it. Because the thing is, in life, you're going to be hit with a wonderful punch. As heck, even at least to one of my favorite quotes of all time. I'm sure you've heard it multiple times, too, by Mike Tyson. Everybody has a plan till they get punched in the face. And life will punch you in the face. Like, heck, even another time, it's like sometimes when Mike Tyson would be like, Hey, buddy, you don't know what it is to be like me. If you want to know what it is to be like me, get punched nuts every time you wake up in the morning. It's like, well, sir, I don't want to be like you like that, man. But sometimes I be feeling like that, though. I ain't gonna lie. And it's like, man. And that's the thing, though. That's the other thing about success. There's two sides to the wonderful coin of success there's the heads and the tails you got to use your head when you're in your journey of success to really think ahead and think about what you want to do in the moment and then the tails you got to take the action of what you're doing now to make it really happen and when you flip that coin you still have to still rely on both sides use your head as well as your heart too because there's some mind power in your heart as well because out the mouth the heart speaks and the tails, you still have to take action and take that wonderful flight if you want to have a flight plan for success. So that's really what I want folks to take away. Like, no matter where you come from, success is tangible. Will it be hard? Yes, it will. Especially if you're of the, uh, you know, Hershey's persuasion. Like, it's going to be even harder for you by default. I'm going to acknowledge that. Heck, even some folks of the uh, white chocolate Hershey's persuasion are honest enough to admit, hey, it's going to be hard for you by default because the way we created it. But it's still possible regardless. Yes, you and you're right. Uh, listen, I've been trying to do stuff with this. It's much, <laughs> much, much more difficult. I be, I like, I just have it in my mind. Like, I want to do this, 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 this. And sometimes you just got to be like, all right, you got to reel it back a little bit. One thing at a time. Don't try to fill up your plate with too much because you also got extenuating circumstances out there that, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes the Sometimes you don't catch that wide open pass, even though you wide open. Sometimes the quarterback miss you, you know, and you realize like sometimes it's not how good you are, but it's like who, you know, or what rooms you can get in or even somebody who's blocking you from that. So 100 percent true. Um, I think that is it's is still, though, we still as black people, we still got to put that out. Like no matter what circumstances that you face, if you got talent and you got drive, ain't nothing going to stop you because you look at all these successful black people out here i'm sure in any arena they had to deal with problems my name is denzel i was named mm -hmm. after denzel washington the amazing actor but i'm sure mm -hmm. when he first got into hollywood they was not feeling him they was like nah we ain't going we don't want you to succeed and he kept at it and he's one of the best to ever do it my mama felt that way when i was born <laughs> mm -hmm. yep and still sure. going through the nonsense, even though he's still at the top of his game. <laughs> so that's the thing. Success don't mean your th life is going to be easier. Success means folks are still going to want a piece of you regardless, and you still have to shine your brightest. And if folks are going to get blind by it, that's their problem. That's their problem. They should just put on their shades and join you. <laughs> Straight up. Straight up. Future so bright, you're going to need shades. You feel me? That's how I feel. That's how I go into my pod every week. That's, that's my energy on that. Um, so, Dom, my next question for you is, why did you write and publish a book at the age of 23? What was the main inspiration for that? I, you said it was on a day. I would love to hear more about that. But, you know, writing a book is no small feat. That is no day at the beach. So what was your main inspirations and what, what got you to that point where you wanted to make that a reality? 
Yeah, man, there's actually even more backstory to the dare, and you're so right about the book. Like, the thing about writing a book, it's simple, but it's not easy. The thing is, it's simple to do. There's, you just write. It's simple, but it's not easy because there's so many parts to it. There's the writing piece, there's the editing piece, and then you have to edit multiple times, and you have to check back and then get a book cover design. Then you have to actually market the book once you're done with the book, and you have to decide how long you want to market your book like me i'm going to be doing this for a very long time that's my intention so the thing is with self-help books if you read one and you get ignited full of passion you're going to want to read more and one of the books i read was a book called the magic of getting what you want by david schwartz and he's the same guy who wrote the magic of thinking big and in that book one of the activities was to write your own obituary and i wrote my own obituary and one of those items in that obituary was that I was a published author of multiple books. And a few months later, that door of opportunity came open to me because I was at a conference at Toastmasters where we have at least those at least twice a year in addition to the Worldwide International Convention where we get to hear speakers compete for trophies and all that other good stuff and hear from other great speakers. And during the networking break, Instead of handing business cards to people, I handed out reading lists to people. And my reading list is called the 100 Books for Dynamic Living. And at the end, I put my contact info at the bottom so we could just trade ideas or whatever and connect with fellow readers. And one lady I handed the list to, she looked at the list, looked right back at me, looked at the list, looked right back at me, looked at that list up and down again. Like trying to get the measurements of it, you know, the 36, 26, 40. And was like, wait, where the heck is your name on this list? And I'm like, I was like 23 at the time. I'm like, dude, I, I'm not writing a, he's not a list because I'm not an author. Like, think I'm not going to write about it. I'm 20 freaking three. Nobody want to hear from me. And they're like, and she's like, hey, you know what? How about we change that way of thinking? How about a year from today, you write and publish your first book? And I'm like, lady, you intense. No, I ain't doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Hilarious, right? It's like you write this obituary. It's like, yeah, I'm going to be an author and whatnot. And then just like, oh, hey, you should be an author. It's like, eh, you crazy, man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's one of those put your dreams to the test moment right there. It's like, is it really your dream or someone else's? And she even sold it even more. It's like, hey, how how about I join you too? How about we? both write books in a year, both become published authors, and we can both say that, hey, we are authors, we join the business of immortality, and I'm like, man, chick, you are crazy, I am out of here, like, we ain't doing this, and this was like November 1st, 2015, and a buddy of mine I was talking with, he wrote a book too called Burn the Box, which was basically talking about his hatred for corporate <laughs> jargon, especially those that borrow from sports and whatnot, and I was like, hey, so where's your second book coming out? Like, cause he had, he promised a sequel to the book, but the thing was, it never happened because the thing was <laughs> his book's going to be called top shelf customer service. And when he moved back to Maryland, he uh, dropped most of his drinking habits. So it was like, Oh, well, uh, for your health, that's good, man. But are you going to like pick up another book? And he's like, nah, fam, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I don't drink anymore. And I'm like, okay, cool. But Hey, this is your chance to write your own book. It's NaNoWriMo, man. Write your own novel. And I'm like, ah, but this weather's so amazing, though, in Maryland, man. It's like 50 degrees in November, man. Like, shoot, this is amazing. We good, man. And I just tried to deflect it. And a couple days later, got into a Toastmasters meeting where I was giving a wonderful presentation. 
And the thing was, the requirements for the presentation was a Q&A session. And came time for questions. The first question that came up was from the same dude I was trying to egg on to write a sequel. He was like, hey, Dom, so when you write your first book? And it was just some dead silence for about a good two seconds. Head was going down. Folks were laughing. And I'm like, mother fudger. Like, <laughs> I wanted to dropkick that man. Like, man, I can't look like a punk for all these people now. So I was like, all right, a year from today, I'm going to write my first book. And they're like, yeah, man, go do it, Tom. You got this, man. And then ran home, wrote 14 pages of raw content, became the last chapter of Going North, Tips and Techniques to Advance Yourself. And October of 2016, I was able to meet my deadline. The book cover was done. Everything was done. Did a book signing at my church a month later in November. Sold over 100 books, and like the rest was almost history. Because <laughs> those stories being written, still written. Yeah. <laughs> Dang, man. So you that your your passion, your 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 dream. You always obviously you had it in you because you were able to do it, but you just needed that little push. You just needed that person to really just challenge you in a public setting, where it's like, well, what are you gonna do? You're gonna you're going to fight or you're going to run away. Right. So I think that that's a good approach. Um, what would you say to um, a young author out there? What would you say is is some great some great uh, knowledge to have if you're a young author who wants to, you know, finally get your first book out there? Yep, sure thing. So for young authors, first of all, don't let anybody pour water out on your dream. Like that's the other thing, too. Like, hey, get around folks that will encourage you to do your best and always stay around those, those people as long as you can. Also, write as much as you can and really just focus on getting the project complete as opposed to perfect, because that's the other thing, too. We're in the age where it's ready, fire, aim, sometimes fire, ready, aim, as opposed to ready, aim, fire, <laughs> because the thing is, like, the thing is, a lot of stuff out there, you heck, even... Those in the entrepreneurial space know this, that some folks, they get folks to fund their dreams by doing these GoFundMe pages, or they say, hey, here's the idea for an online course. If you want it and you want to be one of the first to get it, like donate some money to this, like pay a certain amount of money, like 47 97 77 or $80 for the woo-woo folks or nine ninety seven or whatever. And they get the money first, so that way they can get the fuel to actually start the project themselves or finish it themselves and the thing was like with my book in particular i went with what i had because i still went with that deadline in my head like the thing was even though she gave me a year to do it and i didn't agree to it at first at that moment in my head i still kept the agreement in my mind so even though we didn't physically shake hands we still shook shook hands energetically i guess in a way because it still happened it still happened and it still got done so definitely those like those folks around you, like if you're around people that will encourage you to do the best you can. And the thing is, there's a lot of great adults out there who are happy to help out a young kid, especially because it's like, hey, you don't want to crush a kid's dreams. So get around those folks that will encourage you. Keep writing no matter what. And focus on getting it done as opposed to finished. And get it get it done and finished as opposed to done, finished, and perfect. Because at the end of the day, you're still going to catch errors. I, I still remember my first two books, even after having editors proofread the darn thing multiple times, me proofreading it multiple times. When I felt the, when I held the physical book in my hand, typos everywhere. And I'm like, man, I get for both of my books. I'm like, man, dang it. Darn typo mess is hiding. Like I even got a full night's sleep before I read the book and I still found a typo. So yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. But yeah, I, I I like I like to have when when I have guests on, I love to have you guys just tell the people who are coming up behind us what it was like to go through it because sometimes you feel like it's only you. Like sometimes when I used to do my podcast at the very in the beginning, I would think it was only me who would get tongue tied. It was only me who couldn't read a certain thing I needed to read correctly. It was only me having problems with editing. And then when you listen to other people, you're like, no, I went through that too. It's only me who is, you know, lacking confidence and has a lot of anxiety. It's only me. Like, that's what you think. But then when you listen to other people who've been through it, just like you have, you're like, you're like, oh, shoot, it's not just me. It's, it's almost every single person who comes into this field or ventures out to be an entrepreneur in one way or the other. And so I just think that that sharing of information is is always just so priceless because hearing it from somebody else who's in a position that you want to be at or is, you know, striving to get to another level of success always is better than basing it off of what you see on the Instagram, what you see on social media, because people are always going to represent themselves the best on social media. You're never going to go on Instagram and see somebody take a picture with their hair not done with their clothes looking bummy, you know, looking like they just on their last it's laundry day and they got nothing else to wear. Like you're never going to see that. So people think, oh, these people are perfect. You know, these people have no flaws whatsoever and it crushes their confidence. So it's always great to have other people in these different spaces talk about their journeys and what they struggle with because it really helps the next people coming up behind us. We're not going to be here forever. Mm-hmm. Yep. We sure just not. Is. And it's, it's very important. So I really appreciate that. And here, this piggybacks right into my next question. What were some of the shortcomings and obstacles that you had to overcome when you first got started? So for me in the podcast space, it was just really, really getting comfortable with my own voice. It was really just not only the fact that I had a voice, but being comfortable with it, being comfortable that I was going to have opinions that people may not like, whether it's just about lighthearted stuff like music or sports or even when it comes to political things, you know, racist things, things like that, that we face every day. And also it was just understanding that, yo, this is not going to be a finished product. Your first episode is not going to sound like your second episode. It's not going to sound like your third episode. It's not going to, you're not going to be the same, you know, where it goes. So those were the things that I had to overcome in the very beginning. So for you as a writer, as a motivational speaker, and as an entrepreneur, what were some of the hardest things that you had to overcome in the beginning? Man, like uh, quite a few of them, quite a few of them. Heck, mentioned one of the early ones being a caregiver for a dying father and then the grief afterwards. Heck, the other one was, heck, even <laughs> the COVID-19. And I ain't talking about the boss. I'm talking about the pounds, man. Shoot. <laughs> like staying at home, man, you'd be like, oh, I'm a digital entrepreneur. I have to be out there physically right now on keynotes on stage. Like, yeah, let me eat this, uh, eat these some cookies, get some milk and cookies, you know. Bernie Max, I get some milk and cookies. So, yeah, this uh, <laughs> And get that, uh, and then it's like, oh, wow, I think I'm looking kind of pregnant right now. I ain't pregnant with a book. I'm just pregnant with, like, freaking <laughs> disappointment. Like, let me change that. So it's like, man, heck, even one thing was being set up for success and then hitting a dip immediately afterwards. Like, for the Christian folks, it's like Jesus when he got baptized by John the Baptist and then going straight to the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan back to back to back. And especially when dude when guy was probably hangry like <laughs> haven't eaten or 
anything for 40 days and 40 nights. It's like, man, you're probably hangry. Probably want to stab somebody or something, man. It's like, <laughs> and it's like just dealing with that temptation. In my case, it wasn't temptation. It was just the fact that my success didn't translate everywhere else. You know, they say a uh, prophet's not welcome in his own hometown. Well, the thing is, folks didn't really know me as well as I thought they would and wouldn't support me as much as I thought they would in the beginning because my first book signing at my church sold over 100 books. I felt like, man, this success is going to travel, baby. Young black man on the freaking rise, baby. We're going we're gonna to do this thing. And I signed up for a vending event at the Baltimore Book Festival. And the thing was, Saturday was all sold out by the time I found out when the vending tables were available. They only had Sundays and Fridays left. And I'm like, all right, I'm sure as heck I ain't doing Sundays because I'm in church freaking on Sunday mornings and part of Sunday afternoon. And Fridays, well, I guess I'm about to go Friday. Went Friday, paid like $150 for a table, sold only four books. Wow. Four of them. <laughs> wow. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, it was a humbling experience. Yeah. Like your ego will be tested in entrepreneurship. <laughs> it really will. <laughs> so, well, how did you bounce back from that, right? So put me, take me to that moment, right? So you're sitting at the table. The event is about to end. You realize you only sold four, right? You only moved four units. You probably spent more on the table than what you sold. So what is your mindset like at that time? How do you take that in, feel the emotions of it, but then how do you respond to that? Ah, good thing you ask. It's funny enough, the story about that ain't even over. Oh. The thing is that that vending event, it was with other authors. So I gained a couple of the guests from my podcast at the time since that was the early days of it where I didn't, where I wasn't book solid freaking three months in advance by default now. And I still was looking for people. And funny enough, I did a book swap with a couple of them. And one of the authors, she had a book called Back a Sister Up. And she also had her own wonderful youth program in Baltimore City called Positive Youth Expressions. And when we did a book exchange, I got a call a couple months later and I was invited to speak. And I was presented with an honorarium that paid more than what I lost that day at that table. So the thing was, that was a setback, but it was a setup for later. And a little inspiration for folks listening. If you're in this entrepreneurial journey, like be in it for a long haul, like the classic RIP to the great Nipsey Hussle, like the marathon continues, man. Like it's a marathon and not a sprint. You, it, the, the quick wins are always the favorite. They're always the favorite. But when you go through that struggle, that underdog phase, and you actually come out on top, it feels even sweeter. And sometimes the chase is better than the catch. Because if I would have walked out that day with another quick victory, easy like that, I would have used that to boost my ego up and keep going. And I probably got hit even harder down the road. And it was good I got that little taste of reality. Got that nice little punch in the face to help keep me humble and realize, hey, even though you win every day, it's not going to be a big win every day. Right. Count the small wins. Like if you got up this, got up this morning, that's a win. Like me being on Denzel's podcast, like this is a freaking win for me. Like this, just counting all the wins because they'll build up and compound over time. Like the book itself is not the be all end all. That's just one of the things I offer. Like being invited to speak, especially to not only sell and move more units, but also be paid to speak for my gift of speaking to help others as well. So that's the other thing too. Like being a for a long haul and bounce back. So I got more contacts that day and got invited to speak down the road that day because she read what she liked in the book and it was great. So definitely. When did you discover that you had the talent 
uh, for the the speaking part and the writing part? When did you discover that was something that you could do or something that you really had a talent that other people didn't have? Ah, good question. So the writing, <laughs> my writing was atrocious. <laughs> Man, oh, funny enough, almost uh, <laughs> funny enough, almost didn't even get through high school without uh because almost funny enough almost failed public speaking class in high school and almost and i barely got alive through high school grammar class because i know okay so like there's a dangling part of the participle and all this other art of english which is crazy enough as it is because english is basically a mixture of two other languages and it's still yeah. a new language that's still evolving to this day yeah heck even fun fact for you like the letter j actually wasn't even in the original English language at first. So like the name Jesus, like if you look in the 1611 King James Bible, there was an I in there as opposed to a J. So the J wasn't even found yet. So the thing is like English is still a new language. It's a crazy language like knife. As an example, the classic one that came from a Cat Williams stand up, like cut knife, like no, the knife, the, the K is silent when you say it, but you have to put it on paper. Knife, like nah, that says cut knife. So almost failed English growing up in speech almost failed that because the principal's wife had to take over halfway through the school year because they had to <laughs> let go the, the speech teacher that year and the thing was the principal's wife was already busy as is so she gave us one test and the thing was it was a it was a pop test and the school I went to at a time tests were 70 percent of your grade classwork homework that's only 30 percent of your grade so test taking they're building people up to take tests to do well in college by taking tests. So that pop quiz that day, that's all we had. And <laughs> when I filled that, I was like, oh, third quarter. I guess I'm uh, in the red. But I was able to compete and got third place at the state competition that same year to bring my grade back to, to an A. So the gift was really discovered in my teenage years through wonderful setbacks <laughs> and just really tapping into still no matter what and heck even another fun fact for i'm probably throwing a lot on folks listening right now but a lot of writers some of them were atrocious <laughs> some still are but that's what editors are for to bring out the magic they may have the raw concept the raw idea they know how to put it out there they may not know how to put it into perfect words into perfect speak but they still have the idea but they have a team around them to really bring out their greatest so it's really my teenage years through high school placing third at a state level and getting that confidence to keep going and heck even growing up in the church where public speaking was really a default especially a black baptist church like it's a really default really getting that wonderful experience of the public speaking <laughs> hey well that's that's good i mean it's, it's always good to give people your full story like to show them that you're not a finished product you never were and you still aren't right like sometimes people think like oh man look at look at him he's got this that and third and you know, you're just a regular guy, you know, you you go through every normal human process like everybody else. So I think that's like very, very good for people to hear. I, I really do. Um, and that piggybacks us into my next question. You're, you're good, man. I told you, we like, we like LeBron and Wade. I'm Wade. I'm throwing it up to you and you jamming it. You really are like you all-star right now, all-star game right now, all-star game MVP. So my next question for you is, woo. What are some of the habits, what are some habits of elite performers that you practice every day? What are some things that you do every day that makes you elite and what you do? Ah, thanks a bunch. So 
One of the major things that a lot of elite performers do is they prepare themselves for their day the night before. So asking yourself questions like, hey, what good am I going to do today? What good did I learn today as to reflecting on the day? Like the PAR method in my book, Going North. Preparation, action, reflection. Preparation, action, reflection. Preparation, what good will I do today? Like, will I share a smile with somebody? Will I call somebody I haven't called in a while and catch up with them, see how they're doing? Will I put some money in the homeless guy's cup, even though sometimes some panhandlers might be in for business for themselves? But hey! At this point, I'm like, you know what? Let me have the abundance mentality and it'll come back to me tenfold. Let me go ahead and donate some change and that'll just show the wonderful world, the wonderful God of the universe that I am abundance by giving a piece of myself out to people. And money is energy at the end of the day and it's a tool to really express yourself. So asking great questions like that. What good will I do today or tomorrow? What will I learn today? What can I share with somebody? And then asking yourself, what did I learn and what must I do? And just asking yourself questions because questions require a thought and a response. You can never really ask a question and not get a response, no matter how hard it is. They may not physically tell you what it is with their voice, but they are thinking about an answer. Sometimes silence is the answer because they're like so dumbfounded, like, wow, that's so freaking good. I actually need to think about this. So asking myself questions at the start of the end of the day and when I wake up in the day I use my snooze button as my sensational moment of silence button because the thing is when I get up in the morning usually sit up like the undertaker sometimes for laughs and giggles and clap my hands together be like I'm gonna go get them and sometimes even even though I don't do it as much as I used to I probably need to go back to doing it is to yell out do it now do it now do it now 50 times to get myself really amped up to get and tackle the day after giving myself a little meditation, at least five to 30 minutes on average of silence. So that way I can give myself the wonderful gift of solitude so I can masterfully serve the multitude. I like that. I like that. I oh, okay. Wait, can you repeat that again? So people, did, I don't think people caught that all the way. Can you repeat that statement again? Yeah, sure thing. So give yourself the gift of solitude so you can masterfully serve the multitude. Mm, I like that. I like that. That's whew, whew, that's good, man. I, it's, a, it's a pleasure, man. It's I'm learning so much. I'm soaking up so much game today, man. I really am. Um, so now when you when you people when people seek you out for advice, right, when people come and try to pick your brain and try to see how you attack each day. How do you always make sure to be, how do you keep it concise, right? When someone asks me a question about potting or about anything that I'm doing, sometimes my mind goes all over the place, right? I want to talk to you a little bit about this. I want to talk to you a little bit about that. I want to talk to you a little bit about this because it's all connected, but sometimes it's confusing. Sometimes people get overwhelmed with all the information that you've given out. So how do you give information out to people who want it but also give it out in a way where they can understand it and you're not overwhelming them. Yeah, powerful question. And that's really the art of communication. Heck, even reminds me of this powerful quote, the wonderful, <laughs> I forgot who said that quote, but it mentions that one of the biggest mistakes of communication is assuming that communication happened. And people love it when you keep things nice, simple, and short and sweet. So I usually try to keep it to one to three things. 
Usually, at least try to, and it depends on the person too. If it's like, hey, if it's like a new person I've met before, I might give them one or two tips. If it's somebody like a fan who's been following me for a while and they've actually really showed themselves as a person of higher value by actually giving value first, like sharing posts and things like that, actually taking interest of what I'm doing, then hey, give them like a one or two tips so that way they can whet the appetite a little bit so that way they can actually keep going. She's usually give them one to three tips about anything at all because if the thing is if you give them one to three in a way you'll probably over deliver by default because some people may be like oh wow like wow i freaking got my freaking money's worth here and heck even remember one time a podcaster who actually wanted to write a book of her own like gave her a whole list of stuff to go through as a reference and the thing was even like back to my podcast as well as a way to not only give value but also to remind people like, hey, there's some other resources out there and I can be a resource, but other folks are too. And eventually it'll come back down to me from a karmic energy standpoint. So that's really what it's all about. Keeping one to three major points in mind and giving it to them that way and just seeing where they are at the moment. And if you could get a feel for the person of where they truly are, sometimes it's an intuitive thing, then you'll definitely... Hit all the nodes. You definitely want, don't want to give them the whole Chinese buffet on day one, no matter how much mass they have. Sometimes it's better just to give them, just just give them a little taste, you know? Give them a little spoonful of sugar so the medicine can go down a bit. I like that. You don't want to give them the Chinese buffet, because that's right. Because I I fell into that myself. Like, I, I would get so excited that people would listen to my show, number one, but also reach out to me and ask me about the craft. And so I would get so excited about it. I felt like I was, you know, talking, 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 talking. And I realized like, oh, man, I'm really overwhelming these people because I'm giving them too much. I'm giving them too much information at one time. So that's 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 like a great analogy. You don't want to make it like the Chinese buffet because you're going to overwhelm them. So one of the three things, I think that is a great, great way to do it because I was struggling with that. So I love to ask people who are you know, uh, sort of doing what I'm doing in my, in my field to try to get advice. I think that's a great way to learn. And so that's a great, yeah, I'm, I'm going to use that. Like, instead of giving them a buffet, I give them the appetizer, you know, give them a little bit. And then when they take it and digest it, then you can give them more information and you could go like that. I like that. The Chinese buffet. Shoot, I might name the episode that the Chinese buffet. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> I might name that. I might name the episode that because I like that. I never heard that before. I like that. So, Don, my last of my serious questions that I have for you today is how can we leave a path for the future generation of creators? My thing is always just, you know, you can't take the game with you. You know, I love basketball. One of the greatest things I like to see is when the older players teach the younger players the ins and outs of the game. They tell them what, what to expect when you cross over from the college amateur game to the pro game. Like I love that interaction, seeing guys talk and communicate and help each other succeed. So that's something I, I take to heart. Anytime someone wants to reach out to me, I want to give you the game. I can't take it with me. I'm not going to be here forever. And it's selfish of me to keep all the information that I've learned to myself. So for you, what would you say are some great things that we can do now to leave a path for the future generation of people? Sure thing. It reminds me of this wonderful um, story. I think it was a Jewish investor or somebody. I forgot who said it, but it's like 
Like a man should really have three things he should leave behind in the world. A book, a tree, and a child. And the thing is, like, well, my dad planted some trees, so he did do that. And I'm a son, so he did two out of three. I guess me writing a book created the trifecta form in a way. <laughs> Since his name is in the book and the dedication yeah. page. So, so yeah, definitely, like, the thing is... um. I probably mentioned like two books this episode, but I'm going to drop another one in addition to my own. And that is, it's another book by Robert T. Kiyosaki called The Conspiracy of the Rich. And towards the end of the book, he mentions that he created a bunch of derivatives of himself, like the cash flow quadrant um, game and all the other books and products, the whole Rich Dad Company, based off of his one wonderful book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which has actually been a bestseller in the finance category for 25 years straight at the time of this recording. Like that is staying power. Like that book might even get to think and grow rich status for the decades to come. If it keeps growing like that. Cause like the, it's just so interesting how the game of money is played at different levels, different various levels. And that wonderful book is a piece of himself that he's leaving long after he's gone. Like my books, they're pieces of myself long after I'm gone. Like your podcast, this is a piece of immortality for you. It's going to be here long after you're gone. So creating derivatives of yourself is one way to do it. Having a mentee, someone coming up, if they can, if they're teachable, that's great. That's the other thing too. Like if you're someone young listening to the show and you want to get the game from folks who are doing things that you want to do, or at least have created a version of success for themselves. Learn to be teachable and have listening ears. Like, we have two ears and one mouth for a reason. We got to use them appropriately. So, be teachable, have a teachable spirit, be have open ears, and just consider their advice and their words. They may not know everything. Like, even though we're in the era where it's like the grandparents may need the young ones to help them with the iPhone or their Kindle or their ebook or. Maybe even help them get a part-time job since everything's on computer and a lot of the employment sites are trash when it comes to applying for jobs nowadays. Is the fact that they still have wisdom to give. They still have some opinions to consider. So just hear them out for a bit. Now granted, some of them can be a little loquacious. Some of them can be, uh, <laughs> they, they, can, they can sometimes be a bit of a river instead of a reservoir when it comes to their words. Especially if they haven't had a great conversation in a while, but... Definitely just have a listening ear and be teachable. So, yeah, man, those are those are some ways that just really pop off my head for that one, man. Uh, I appreciate it. And you're right, because I I um I lost both of my grandparents. But when they were alive, like it, I don't know what made me think of it. But every time my grandma, grandpa, grandpa would talk, I would just listen. Whatever they had to say, like whether it was about dating, whether it was about, you know, uh, making money, whether it was about, you know, making good decisions versus bad decisions, how to be a grown up, because, you know, you got to think like this person, if they're in their 70s and I'm a teenager, they have lived so much longer than I have. Right. They have seen so much of the world, so much more of the world than I have. So, you know, I may not agree with everything that they say, but there is mm -hmm. something to be said of having the experience of you waking up every day from the early 1900s to now like that that that's something that you can't even really explain how much experience you get in that time like i've been doing the podcast since february 9th 2020 i've gained so much information in this time which is a very short time so imagine if i'm podcasting for 20 years 
for 30 years. How much information would I have in here? I'd forget more things than I could teach you. So it's very important to listen to, to people who have a lot of experience and it's very, they always have information, whether it's what even valuable information is sometimes what not to do. When you listen to some mm-hmm. people talk, they tell you about their failures and what they did wrong. That's even important. You learn what to do, how you should act, and also you learn what not to do. So it's very important to take to be a sponge. You got to be a sponge and get all that game that people give, all them jewels that people drop, because you never know how it's going to help you and come up back in your life. Amen to that, babe. That's right. That's, That's right. right. Sponge mode, baby. Squeeze it out on people when necessary. That's right. <laughs> squeeze that water baby that water wisdom <laughs> you're right you 100 right too so don we're gonna move right along the, the you guys can follow me and hit me up on instagram and twitter at rogers neighborhood instagram is r-o-d-g-e-r-s n-e-i-g-h-b-o-r-h-o-o-d twitter is the exact same except there are no vows in neighborhood on Twitter. And Dom, one thing I do every show is I answer questions from the listeners of the show. It's a great way to keep them involved. It's a great way to keep them engaged. And it's a great way to break up the pod a little bit, just make it, give them a little something different than just you and I talking about inspirations and, you know, all that good positive stuff. It's good to break it up a little bit. So what I would like to do with you is have you answer some of the questions from the listeners, just so you can give them a little bit more into what makes Dom Dom? I was saying, let's do it, man. Let's go, man. Let's go. Let's go. Like a blanket, man. <laughs> LeBron, <laughs> LeBron away. Let's go. Let's go. So, my first question for you from the listeners is Who would you like to sit next to the most on a 10 hour flight and why? Uh, funny enough, like they have to still be alive, right? No, it could be, it could be living or past. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Dark. Because I was gonna say a guy named Jim Rome, but he was an introvert and he didn't kind of want to be on the plane. I know Jim Rome. I uh, used to see was a sportscaster, right? Jim Rome was burning. Oh no, nah, uh, this is actually the guy who was Tony Robbins' original mentor, oh, uh Jim Rome. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it you know what I, I think I'll go with him, Jim Rohn. So Jim Rohn R O H N. He wrote a couple books, uh The Five Major Pieces of Life Puzzle and Seven Steps to Wealth and Achievement. Like it it's like Ip Man to Bruce Lee, like like Ip like Yip Man. He was actually Bruce Lee's teacher. So in a way, Jim Rohn was the Yip Man to Tony Robbins. So that 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 would be the guy I would listen to. And if you listen to his audio programs, like and and sadly he passed away in two thousand nine. He would definitely would have been one of the authors I would have loved to have on my show. And funny enough, I think we were born the same month, September. Funny enough, and um, he actually definitely be one guy because if you listen to his audio program tech even go on youtube he has like a four hour seminar mess changed my life like it's motivation in a different way it's not like the classic eric thomas like hey if you want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe and you want to charge to a brick wall or hearing a ray lewis speech and seeing the squirrel <laughs> dance you'd be like yeah i'm gonna get this this nut here from the squirrel dance and bust through a brick wall baby bust through this office baby like it's it ain't that it's just a it's a calm but really thought-provoking guy so he would definitely be one guy like i'd, I'd make sure i had three notepads if i knew i was going to sit next to him too and especially if he'll be up for that 10-hour conversation <laughs> right 10 hours a long time so you got to make sure you got to get somebody who want to talk for that long you know you don't want to be talking nobody here 
All right, Jim Rohn. That's that's awesome. Like I didn't even I didn't even know that Tony Robbins that was his mentor. I'm thinking you talk about the sports guy. Like you know, look at me. Ah. I'm learning every day. <laughs> <laughs> so, Don, my next question for you from the listeners is: What fictional place? Would you most like to go? That is a good question. Cause it because my because my first thought was a certain place, but that got destroyed. Cause I'm thinking like Final Fantasy or whatever. Since I'm a bit of a, an RPG guy, JRPG guy. But I think one fictional place I would like to go would probably be like in the definitely the land of Futurama, especially. Cause that show with all the freaking traveling tubes and just to meet Bender just for laughs and giggles. He'd be <laughs> Like bite my shiny metal, you know. I'm like, <laughs> it's like, man, that's your catchphrase. I ain't even offended, man. It's like he's gonna make his own planet with blackjack and hookers. Like that's his thing or whatever. So it's like, yeah, Futurama, just for laughs and giggles, that would be my fictional place. <laughs> Futurama was a great show. I think it was a, a very underrated, like, cause it got lost in like the Family Guy and the American Dad mm-hmm. and the South Park. You know, it got lost in there. Futurama was yeah, a legit man. good show. The year 3000, Planet Express. Yeah, man. Trying to be on the Planet Express boat, too, on the ship. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. Get the Cyclops action, baby. (laughs) (laughs) With me, my boy Hermes, my boy Fry, One-Eyed Leela. Futurama was a really good show. It really was. I know we're we're, we're, long too. We're alienating all the you know sixteen year olds listening right now. We sound like two old men. Remember back in my day, (laughs) remember the show called (laughs) Futurama used to come on Fox Five. (laughs) Yeah, and you three D printed the save icon. Like man, what's your Mm -mm, nope. Nope. We we gotta have y'all spayed or neutered now for that one. Mm -mm. (laughs) Let me stop. (laughs) And finally, Dom, my last question for you from the listeners is, and this is piggyback right off our old bad talk. What is a current trend that you just don't understand? Oh, man. Like, a current trend I don't understand is the mumble rap. That's the thing. Like, I know, I think it may be dying out a bit, but it's still out there. It reminds me of the whole T-Pain meltdown where folks are like, man, he melted down. I'm like, he's like, stop saying the same music. Well, dude's kind of right when you think about it. Because you look at the old videos, like, it makes the whole sense, like, the trap beats and everything. Mumble rap, it's like, I mean, if it's for lives and giggles, that's fine and dandy. But, like, can we at least understand a word you're saying? Like, I know English is still evolving, but... Like the mumble rap, I, I, I just don't get it though. I just don't get it. <laughs> you, I feel like you sometimes you listen to it and you feel like Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan and Rush Hour. Do you yeah! understand the words <laughs> that's coming out of my mouth? <laughs> and you know what's funny? Like I learned a long time ago, like, you know, you've got to keep young people around you because that keep you young, right? You get mm-hmm. older, but you don't get old, right? But like Amen. sometimes I'll be just thinking like, Man, I wish you guys was around in like the early 2000s. I wish you guys was around in the late 90s because to me, obviously, to me, that's just like the golden age. Like that's the era. That's the music that you should have heard already. Like Mm -hmm. I understand like you guys gravitate to these young artists because you're young and they relate to you. But it's like, yo, I know we dinosaurs. I know you look at us like that. But you got to hear some of the old joints because that is really what the essence of hip hop is. You know, I'm from the Bronx. 
birthplace of hip hop. So it's very we learn that like we come out the womb, our parents sign our birth certificate and we learn about hip hop from day one. Like that's how we do it over here. So amen. I just think like, of course, you're going to listen to the music for you. And of course, the generation before us probably heard our music. It was like it's garbage, too. So I understand that. But like, yo, you guys really need to understand like the different level of skill lyricism wordplay that the older generation of artists had compared to the new one and i'm not i'm not poo-pooing the new ones they because they bring different wrinkles i like listening to a lot of the new stuff they got a lot of new energy Mm -hmm. but like if you heard if you was around when let's say how old was i when the when the black album came out i was 10 oh yeah i was 10 years old my mom let me buy it it was the first piece of music i ever bought in my life and it's just like 10 year olds don't get that no more. Like they don't have that mm-hmm. opportunity to grasp onto it. A lot of the concepts you don't even understand because you're so young, but you just get that chance to listen to it. I think that's very important. So I, I'm encouraging all my youngins out there. I know we old men, we dinosaurs, but you gotta do your history, man. You gotta do that research. You got the internet. You can listen to every song ever created if you wanted to. So do that homework, man, and get some of that golden era hip hop. You'll be better for it. Amen to that. That's right. That's right indeed. That's right. I don't know. Indeed. I don't know and if don't it worry. was like I don't know if it was like this when you was coming up, but when I was in middle school. Young Jeezy had just came out. And so Young Jeezy. Ah, oh, Jeezy, the man, baby. The snowman. Right. The snowman. So um all the kids wanted to wear the snowman shirts. Mm-hmm. And they was getting in trouble. Like if you came yep. to school with a snowman shirt. You got either sent home, you had to go to detention, you got suspended. That's how deep it was. Like, there's nothing like that in current hip hop where it just created a wave that big, where even kids at that level just wanted to be a part of it so much that you was even, you know, sacrificing your school for it. Like, you was going to school and getting sent home because you had to come with that fresh snowman shirt. Like, that's just a little small thing that these kids don't have right now. And it's like, dang, I wish... I just wish you able to see it and feel that. Yeah, man. That's the thing, man. The other thing, too, is the other thing is, even though we sound like we're talking like old people, we ain't old. Right. Old we is not. 85 collecting Social Security. Right. <laughs> we really not. But, like, to the kids, like, when you talk about, like, yeah, you know, I remember, you know, so-and-so first album came out. And they're like, what? Or you talk about, like, an old artist. I tell the story all the time. One time mm-hmm. I was speaking to a person who was, like, 19. And I said... Oh. Shake it like a Polaroid picture, referencing Outcast. <laughs> yeah, oh, referencing yeah. Outcast, right from Hey Ya, and he was just like, "Huh, like what, what?" <laughs> and then I had to like put it in my mind, like, "Yo, he don't know Outcast, like you know." Mm-hmm. And it's like, how, like, how don't you know that Polaroid picture? I understand that's old technology. Yeah, you got an iPhone that could do everything, but yep. Uh, you don't know Outcast, Andre 3000, and Big Boy. You don't know about the Goody Mouth, the Dungeon Family. Like, what? So, you guys out there, man, you got Apple Music, you got Spotify, you got YouTube. Do that research, man. Learn about all these old school artists that paved the way for your new artists. Because it's that's that's the elder, that's the culture, man. Hip-hop culture is the number one in the world. So, you got to actually understand why it is that way and how hard it was to get that number one spot. And why people still don't want to give all the credit to the game. So it's very Mm -hmm. important. You kids, you got to do that homework, man. You got to do that homework. Amen to that, man. You're definitely right about that. Because they're trying to gentrify that, too. They try to gentrify hip-hop, man. Which is crazy. 
That's absolutely crazy. Don't let them gentrify hip hop. If you learn about it and you know about it and you know the essence of it, they won't be able to take it away from you. They can only take it away from you if you don't understand it. That's it. That's all I got on that. Mm-hmm. Straight That's up. True. Straight up. Man, Dom, I, I'm really enjoying this interview, man. This is one of the best ones I ever done, man. I really appreciate you, man. So before we get out of here, I got to get one more life jewel from you. I got to get one more piece, one more good piece of info. My last question for you is, what is one thing that you would like to leave the listeners with today as a great piece of advice, a life jewel, or just something very important that you would like to express before we end our interview today? Uh, one piece of jewel. Um, Man, like this one, as with everything, <laughs> there's two sides to a coin with this one, but do it afraid. Do it afraid. Because the thing is, like, the fear of failure and the fear of success are kind of like twins. Because sometimes we fear that, man, well, I become so great that I get too much attention that I can't handle. Oh, well, I fail so hard that I'll be regretting it forever. It's like, hey, if you can really feel that fear and just do it afraid and eventually get so far in that journey that you advance, you'll definitely thank yourself later for getting to the other side. Because that's really where the magic happens. Like the secret to living life is living without fear. Man, I couldn't said it. I couldn't have said it better myself, bro, man. That's great, man. Absolutely incredible. Dom, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. I really appreciate all that information you gave out. I really appreciated this whole interview experience that we've had. And there's nothing left for me to do for you, bro. Roll out the red carpet for you. I would love for you to reiterate your name and all of the places that the people can find you. Sure thing, Denzel. Thanks a bunch for this time, man. You've been a great host, man. I love the stuff that you're doing, man. My man's doing some big things, baby. Doing it big and beautiful for the people, man. I'm telling you, my man's going to be growing even bigger. My man's going to be like a giant, wonderful willow tree giving positive shade to people that's right positive shade to people in the summertime to keep them cool and for those who want to keep up with mr cooler than two cucumbers dom brightman you can find me at dombrightman.com everything dom is there and you can subscribe to the going north podcast there and also there's a little free guide called the 21 lessons learned from two plus years of podcasting so if you're looking to start grow and manage a podcast of your own just leave your name and your email join my mailing list and you'll get 21 tips for starting, growing, and managing a podcast of your own. And it'll be a successful one to boot. Because, hey, if you want to learn from a guy who's interviewed over 500, soon to be a 1,000 authors, like, hey, you might as well jump in on that bandwagon indeed. Because the name of the game is spreading the chocolate everywhere on DomBrightman.com. That's right. That's right. That is right. <laughs> <laughs> Dom, I appreciate you. And it is tradition around here on the Bronx Buys podcast that we allow our guest to play a song for us at the end of our show. So, Dom, the honor is yours. What song would you like to play for the good people out there? Yeah, folks ain't going to see it coming, but hey, dropped a hit earlier, baby. The marathon continues. Nipsey Hustle. The last time that I checked, baby. That's right. That's right. Nipsey, we love you. We respect you. And he paved the way for a lot of stuff, too. You guys, if you don't know about Nipsey, you do your little homework on him. Very inspirational. Um, Dom, thank you so, so, so much once again for coming on the show, man. 
giving out all that great information. I wish you nothing but success in the future. And I really appreciate you coming and doing my show, man. Yeah, baby. (laughs) Round of applause for my guy, Dom Brightman. Round of applause. And lastly, let us get into our NFL predictions. So, week number 13 was so, so, so much better for me in terms of picks. I got double-digit Ws for week 13. I went 10 and 4 on picks. So much better than week 12. Absolutely disgusting, abysmal performance for week 12. I'm glad I was able to make up some ground for week 13. Out here, I was out here picking games like I never watched a football game in my life. Okay, so I'm I'm very happy for my improvement <laughs> for week 13, uh, and we're gonna try to keep the good times rolling for week 14. I don't want to get too high or too low with these picks because I've seen whenever I feel like I'm the man and I can get every pick right, that's when I have a week that's trash, and then when I think, oh, you know, I, I can't get nothing right, I have a great week. So we're just gonna try our best and predict these games the best way that we can. So let us get into week 14. I'm off to not a great start. Uh, The Thursday night football game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Minnesota Vikings did not go my way. My Pittsburgh Steelers were not able to get it done. It's a pretty devastating loss when you think about how greater their chances would have been to make the playoffs if they did win this game. And Big Ben unofficially officially announced that he will be retiring at the end of the season. So I would have loved... You know, the Steelers to put themselves in a position where they would give Big Ben one last playoff game. But, you know, it is what it is. I've seen the Steelers win way more than they lose. You just, you know, Big Ben's a legend. It's the only quarterback I've ever rooted for. You know, once I started watching football, Big Ben got drafted in 04. Like, that's when I started watching football. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's sad. But, it's not, you know, the season's not over yet. We can still have some things go our way. It's just a pretty disappointing start to week 14 for me. But... Let us get into Sunday's slate of games. First game, Baltimore Ravens against the Cleveland Browns. Now, I'm going to take the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens have not looked good in the last, I would say, three to four weeks. Um, Lamar Jackson's not as sharp. The defense has been pretty good, pretty solid, but the offense has not been doing them any favors. I think that playing against the Cleveland Browns, a division game, very important game for both teams. I think that Baltimore understands the gravity of this moment. And I think that as it stands right now, Baltimore is a better team than Cleveland, even though Cleveland has a lot of big names. I'm going to go with Baltimore because I think that Lamar Jackson is very dissatisfied with his performance over the last few weeks. And I think that Baltimore really has something to prove in terms of the AFC North, because if Pittsburgh was to win that game, they would have been a much, much, much tighter race for the division. Not only to mention, you still have Cleveland in the hunt and Cincinnati. So I think that Baltimore will really play their best game of the season and win this game. I'm taking Baltimore. Next game, Dallas Cowboys and the Washington football team. I'm going to take the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, Matt McCarthy went out there, was guaranteeing-ish, talking like he was Joe Namath or somebody, talking about they're going to win this game. you know. And Dak Prescott, of course, had to back his man up. Had to say, coach is absolutely right. We do feel like we're going. We 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 will win this game, and I'm gonna go with them. I like their confidence. I know that Ezekiel Elliott is not 100% healthy, 
but I think that Tony Pollard is serviceable enough. Their defense is much improved, and I think that they will beat Washington. Next game, Las Vegas Raiders against the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs. I think that Mahomes and them got their swagger back. They know how to win pretty, and they know how to win ugly, which is very important, especially coming to this time of year. I don't think that Vegas, especially their defense, will do enough to keep up with uh, Kansas City, and I will take Kansas City to win. Next game, Seattle Seahawks versus the Houston Texans. I will take the Seattle Seahawks. Next game after that is the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans. Now, I can see Tennessee dropping this game. I really can. I can see Jacksonville sneaking into Tennessee and getting a game. It will have to be a very ugly game. I can very much see it happening, but I do not think it will. I will take the Tennessee Titans to win. Next game after that, New Orleans Saints versus the New York Jets. I will take the New Orleans Saints for that game. Next game after that, Atlanta Falcons and the Carolina Panthers. Now, I'm going to go out. I'm going to go out. I'm going to say that Cam Newton, big cousin Cam, is going to lead his team to victory this week. I'm going to take the Carolina Panthers over the Atlanta Falcons. Next game. Oh, man. Detroit Lions versus the Denver Broncos. Now, we need to stop for a second. We need to clap it up. Golf claps. Let me give them some golf claps. Golf claps for the Detroit Lions. One finally won a game. Their first victory all season. I'm actually was really happy for them. I picked against them. I picked Minnesota to beat them. But when I saw the end of the game and Detroit finally won a game on the last play, on the final play in the fourth quarter, like it was actually pretty amazing. Then shout out to their coach Dan Campbell, dedicated the game ball to the to the victims of the Oxford Michigan tra- the Oxford tragedy in Michigan. I just thought it was a great all-around week for the Detroit Lions. I, I was really happy for them. You know, because as a fan of football, like, you don't want to see a team go winless. Like, you don't want to see that. Like, because these guys are working their ass off. Like, they're playing football at the end of the day. This is not a forgiving sport. This is not a sport that's easy on your body or your mind. And just to go in every week and lose every single game, it's like, damn. Like, you know, I understand they're getting paid millions of dollars, but it's embarrassing. Like, you go out, you work your ass off all week, you do game plan, you watch film, you do all this. And every Sunday you go out and you lose. Or if you don't lose, you don't win because you tie like they did with the Steelers. So it was just great to see them win a game. I'm very happy for them. Really, I am. Um, I would love to say that they're going to win two in a row. But I do have the Denver Broncos to win this game. Very happy for Detroit winning their first game. But I do not think their winning ways continue. I will take the Denver Broncos. Next game after that, New York Giants versus the Los Angeles Chargers. I got the Chargers on that. Daniel Jones, I don't think, is going to play. And I think that Mike Glenn and their backup has a concussion. So I don't even know who the starting quarterback will be for the Giants. So I just I don't see them doing really much of anything in this game. I think the Chargers win and win big. Next game, San Francisco 49ers and the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, I'm going to take the Cincinnati Bengals on the Cincinnati Bengals was feeling themselves big time after they whooped my Steelers ass. And they did. They beat our ass. But the following week against the Chargers, they didn't have enough. I think they were still riding on that high from finally beating the Steelers twice in the season. And um, I I think that this is the week where they really have to prove it. Jamar Chase is a very talented wide receiver. He has a problem with drops. He needs to get that cleaned up. They need to involve T. Higgins more into the game plan. And they need to involve Tyler Boyd more as well. But I did think that that loss last week to to, uh, Los Angeles Chargers, I think that woke them up like, yo, we're good, but we need to be this good every week in order to win like they were against the Steelers. 
I think this will be a big game for them, and I will take Cincinnati. Next game after that, Buffalo Bills and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, the Buffalo Bills, which I incorrectly picked, I thought that New England and Buffalo would split home games, meaning when Buffalo played New England at home, when Buffalo was at home, they would win, and then when New England played Buffalo and New England's at home, New England would win. But I think it's going to be flipped. I think that both teams are going to win their away game. So New England beat Buffalo at in Buffalo, and I think when Buffalo plays New England, they'll win in New England. But with all that being said, it was a pretty bad loss for the Buffalo Bills. The Patriots ran the ball down their freaking throats, man. 222 yards on the ground. Like, Mac Jones threw three passes. That's not a joke. He threw three passes in a NFL football game, and the Patriots won the game. So I think that Buffalo is really, really, really embarrassed. I think they really want to come out and play really well. I think that this is going to be a very, very, very close game. And I think that Buffalo is going to win this game. I, I, I know that Tampa's at home. I know that Brady's playing out of his mind. He's a front runner for MVP. I just, I just think that Buffalo off that loss against New England, how embarrassing for them it was just to be like, the team says, we're not going to throw the ball on you. We're going to run it every play and we're still going to win. I think that they really going to come out with something to prove. And I think that they will beat Tampa in Tampa. The Sunday night football game is the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers. I got the Packers. Aaron Rodgers said it is himself. I own you. When it comes to Chicago, I believe they played 28 times. Aaron Rodgers has won 27 of 28 times. I think that the good times keep rolling for Green Bay, unfortunately, uh, for Chicago. Monday Night Football is the Los Angeles Rams against the Arizona Cardinals. This is going to be a great game. Two top-tier teams, two highly talented teams in the NFC and in the NFL period. This is going to be a big, big, big game. Can L.A. continue to incorporate their new stars into their offense and defense? Can they get it together with the rhythm or will Arizona continue their lead in the a in the NFC and get that number one seed? It's going to be a fantastic game, but I will take in the upset the Los Angeles Rams to win this game. I think Odell is going to have a good game. Stafford's going to have a great game. I think Cooper Cup is going to take a lot of attention, which will open it up for Odell. And I think that Von Miller actually does like has a statement in this game. I think he yeah, he really shows himself in this game, and I will take the Los Angeles Rams to win. To get a head start on next week, week 15, the Thursday night football game is the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Los Angeles Chargers, and I will take the Chargers again. I think that the Chargers will win two in a row, um, and this will be a big game for them against Kansas City. So let's see how I do this week on picks. Had a great week last week with double-digit wins, 10-4. and four. Let's hope I can keep the good times rolling because I cannot have another sub-double-digit week. And that is Week 14 into Week 15's NFL predictions. Last on the docket, we have to discuss very briefly, very, very briefly, that epic Drake and Kanye concert that happened on, what day, Thursday, December the 9th? It was it was epic. It was really epic. Like it was really, really, really cool. Like I stayed up really late to watch it. It was worth it. I thought it was perfectly produced. I thought the stage and the set design was awesome. I thought the choir was awesome. I thought them walking out together, the ultralight beam was awesome. Like it was really cool. Just seeing Kanye perform all those old hits, seeing 
him and Drake, you know, they have a checkered history of beef and disagreement in the past. Just seeing them come together and unite in the name of freeing Larry Hoover Sr., it was really awesome. Like, I can't really even put it into words. Like, it was really an experience that I'm really going to remember for a long time. Two of the greatest artists of this generation coming together and performing like that. It was really awesome to see. Um, I've said it on this podcast a number of times. The fact that Kanye and Drake weren't working together more was just like a, 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 it was just a shame, you know, like beef and ego and all that stuff getting together. Two great creators who obviously have a lot of love for each other, have a lot of chemistry with each other, haven't been on a stage together in years and look like they haven't skipped a beat performing each other's songs flawlessly like it was just the fact that they were beefing and not working together working against each other was just a shame it was like we all were robbed as fans that they not working together more and then you see team people who was team drake people was team kanye saying f the other party as soon as they came together and performed you saw how fucking dope it was and you're just like yo like this is amazing like it was really special. It was really spectacular. I don't know if it's available. If you did miss it, I don't know if it's available on YouTube. I didn't check because I, I saw it live, but I hope it is just for you guys who didn't have the opportunity to see it because it was really awesome. It was just really dope. What I do want to do is just read you a small snippet from a complex.com article that like kind of crystallized the entire event. Um, I'm just going to read you a small snippet of it because it's a long article. I just thought there was a a piece of it that really stuck out to me. And it says, quote, seeing Drake and Kanye sharing the stage again is still special, though. They share some great moments like Ye performing Find Your Love, a song he co-wrote and co-produced with Drake gleefully cheesing from the sidelines before making his formal entrance. Drake's rendition of 24 is also surreal and needs to hit DSPs. And the two closing the show with Forever in 2021 feels like it was pulled out of a 2009 time capsule against all odds. Who would have thought we'd ever make it here? And I think that's just like the perfect bow to tie on top of that. Like that's just a perfect summation of it. Kanye and Drake have had a long history together. Drake has said that Kanye is one of his role models, his idols, guy he looked up to, respected immensely. The fact that they was beefing over, you know, who's big bro, who's little bro, you know, allegedly having relations with each other, significant others, you know, allegedly saying that they're going to fight each other or kill each other. Like, it's just really something that shouldn't be happening. These are two amazing, amazing geniuses in this hip hop game. They should be working together. We all better when we come together and collaborate. Jay-Z said it best. Nobody wins when the family feuds. Facts. So, you know, it was just awesome. You know, I called, jokingly called myself and Dom today like D-Wade and LeBron back in the Miami Heat days. But that was literally what we saw on that stage. Drake and Kanye West was like D-Wade and LeBron playing together for the Miami Heat. Like, just crazy chemistry. Two uh, extreme artists or ex- master craftsmen. And just coming together for good. And it was just awesome to see. That's all I really got on it. It was really, really amazing. And if you haven't seen it, hopefully it's on YouTube. And you can check it out because it was really awesome. And that's all I got on it. And that, guys, will wrap it up. Episode number 84 of the Bronx Bias Podcast is in the books. 
I'm your host once again. My name is Denzel. I want to say a special, special thank you to my guest for today, Dom Brightman. Really appreciated the conversation for today. I want to say thank you to everyone out there who tunes in, who likes, who subscribes, who shares, and who supports. Thank you to everyone who is active and engaged with me on the social media platforms. Uh, Please do not forget, your boy Denzel has official Bronx Bias Podcast merchandise available for purchase. You can visit the website, bronxbiaspod.myshopify.com. Once again, I'm an independent potter from the BXNY. And supporting the merch is just one of the best ways to help keep the show going the way that it does. No spon- I'm not sponsored, no deals as of yet. So just supporting the merch is just a great, great, great support to the show and keeping it going the way that it does. Hopefully it can go for years and years and years to come. I'm going to fade you guys out today with a great, great, great song, which is my guest for the day, Dom Brightman's Choice. And it is called Last Time That I Checked by Nipsey Hussle off of the album Victory Lap. And this has been the Bronx Bias Podcast, episode 84. Have a great week. Have a great weekend out there. And I'll see you next week. We are out. Last time that I checked, it was five chains on my neck. It was no smut on my rep last time that I checked. I was selling zones in the set Make a quarter mil, no sweat Last time that I checked I'm the streets voice out west Legendary self-made progress Last time that I checked First you get the money, the respect And the power in the hoes come next Last time that I checked I've been self-made from the dribble I was been saying I'm a killer nah. Playing no games with you niggas Pop clutch, switch lanes on you niggas nah. I laid down the game for you niggas Taught you how to charge more than what they paid for you niggas on the whole thing for you niggas, reinvest, double up, then explain for you niggas, it gotta be love. Run the city, it gotta be cut. Spot the pieces, I took off the monopoly board. Hey, y'all niggas, false claims, it gotta be fraud. Just keep the hood about your mouth, you gotta be charged. I doubled up, tripled up, nigga, what? Banged on the whole game, I ain't give a fuck. Nobody tripping, handle business, got my digits up. And when I drop, you know I'm about to fuck. Last time that I checked, it was five chains on my neck. It was no smut on my rep last time that I checked. I was selling zones in the set. Make a quarter mil, no sweat last time that I checked. I'm the streets voice out west. Legendary self made progress last time that I checked. First you get the money, the respect, and the power in the hoes come next. Last time that I checked. No cosign, I ain't need radio to do mine. I done fine and I take my time. And take my tribe every level that I crossed in this game like state lines. It was visionary. Either I'm genius or you niggas scary. Maybe it's both in this balance I deliver daily For every nigga in these streets trying to feed the babies The single mama's working hard not to miss a payment And dirty money get washed on royalty statements Black owners in this game are powerful racists Young niggas in the set just doing it makeshift Out the garage, how you end up in charge, that's how you End up in penthouses, end up in cars, that's how you Start off a curb server, end up a boss, that's how you Win the whole thing and lift up a cigar with sweat Dripping down your face, cause the mission was Last time that I checked, check. it was five chains on my neck it was no smut on my rep last time that I checked. I was selling zones in the set. Make a quarter mil, no sweat last time that I checked. I'm the streets voice out west. Legendary self made progress last time that I checked. First you get the money, the respect, then the power in the hoes come next. Last time that I checked. I got the front and in the back. 
We on the way and that's a fact. This real, this ain't rap. Why everybody wanna act pro-black? The last lie you heard, this ain't that. This, that, I did. Made it out the gutter shit. Nip told you fuck the middle man. I told you fuck a bitch. Fuck wearing they clothes, I wear my own shit. Y'all can own y'all label, I own my own bitch. Hey, nigga, I remember all that game you throw me. Don't fuck around and get played by these label owners. Talk that shit to these niggas. Adrian Broner, but secure the window. Don't let the game for you. Cause when it's game over, it's really game over. And all they do is play the game till it's game over. And you be giving game like a big brother. Mission never let them take it from us. Last time that I checked, it was five chains on my neck. It was no smut on my rap last time that I checked. I was selling zones in the set. Make a quarter mil, no sweat last time that I checked. I'm the streets voice out west. Legendary self made progress last time that I checked. First you get the money, the respect, and the power in the hoes come next last time that I checked.